the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Well, good evening and welcome to week three of our six-week journey with Abraham through some of the early chapters of the first book in the library of books we call the Bible. Now, if, like me, you ate pancakes on Tuesday the 1st of March, then you probably know that for many church traditions, we're in the season of Lent. Lent, for many Christians, is a season of, or a time for, reflection and preparation. It is an opportunity to pause and think about our personal walk with Jesus, an opportunity to reflect on the quality of our relationship with our Father in Heaven, and an opportunity to review our openness to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in the decisions we make day in and day out. Embracing the season of Lent can help us recenter our lives in anticipation of the celebration of Easter, which is God's great declaration that as Christians we are dearly loved and forgiven children of God. Well, this Lent we have chosen in the evening services to journey with Abraham exploring his lived experiences, focusing in on his encounters with God. Now we have purposefully designed this series to give us a little more time to reflect on our own walk with God at specific points within this talk. As you have heard read tonight, we arrive today in Genesis chapter 18. Now 24 years have passed since Abraham received his first recorded encounter with God, which we find in Genesis chapter 12. His call to move to the land of Canaan, and the promise that he will become a great nation as his descendants live in the land promised by God. Well, over these 24 years, between chapters 12 and chapter 18, God comes to Abraham a number of times. God comes to encourage Abraham and remind him of God's directing hand on his family and also to reveal the covenant promises God has made to and with him. So may I encourage you to read Genesis 12 through to 18 this week to find the different times and ways that God spoke to Abraham. And it would also be helpful for you to read on to Genesis chapter 26 where this series ends. Well, in chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, we read of God coming to Abraham once again, but this time in a new and different way from previously. As it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. Well, previously, it looks like it had been very clear to Abraham when God showed up, when he was in God's presence. For example, in chapter 17, verse 1, we read of God's announcing presence and Abraham falling face down in response to God's appearing. But here, in chapter 18, we have a different encounter. Abraham does not realise he is in God's presence, at least not straight away. Well, throughout the Bible, we read regularly how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit come to God's creation. A central message of the Bible is that God is a God who comes, a God who steps into time and space, who comes close to us. 
And when the Father, Son and Spirit come, through their words and actions, they help us make sense of our life circumstances and the plans and desires God has for his creation. Sometimes these include criticisms and challenge. Sometimes they offer rescue and hope. So as we approach Easter, I think it's really important to affirm to each other, no matter what circumstances we are living through, that right at the heart of the Christian faith is the belief that we have a God who comes, who interacts, who walks with us through life. God, you see, is not some remote, disinterested God, but a God who is interested in you and in me, in his creation. He's interested in our lives and the journey that each of us are on. But there is certainly not a one-size-fits-all approach to how and when the Father, Son or Holy Spirit turn up. If you read back over chapters 12 through to 18, you will see that Abraham hears God's voice in different ways. So let me ask you, I wonder how you hear God's voice. How has God shown up in your life in the past? Have you encountered God this week, just gone? So let us pause and reflect on our own experiences of when God turns up. For those listening on uh, online or on a recorded version, why not pause and take time just to think and reflect? Sometimes God speaks loudly dramatically, unexpectedly, perhaps in a way totally out of keeping with how we normally hear from him. I wonder if that's ever happened to you. And at other times, of course, God speaks quietly and softly. It is more of an ongoing conversation, perhaps, rather than a specific statement or direction. Is that how you hear from God? When did you last hear that way? There are also times when God is quiet. He appears to expect us to simply get on with our lives with little direction or direct input from him. Just the odd nudge or reminder every now and again. We know what we have to do, so we just need to do it. And finally, there are times when God is utterly silent, when his absence can be frustrating and possibly challenge our faith in him. So I wonder where you're at tonight in hearing from God. If you're comfortable to do so, why not share with the person next to you about your different experiences of hearing from God? I wonder how you normally hear guidance and counsel from him. In Genesis 18 verse 1, Abraham does not appear to be doing anything in particular to cause God to turn up. But from other parts of the Bible, we can read how others sometimes deliberately put themselves in a position to hear from God. Jesus himself sometimes withdrew from others to spend time with his father. And perhaps the greatest example of this is the Garden of Gethsemane, when he withdrew to pray, which we read about in Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46, for example. I wonder if you can identify any particular set of practices which you find helpful to hear God speaking into your life. 
Now I'm a strong believer that our spirituality and our personality intersect and that we have certain behaviours and practices that we each find particularly helpful and seem easier to do for ourselves. And equally, there are those of a different personality and spirituality which may find these practices unhelpful or more difficult to do. For me, walking my dog often helps me step out of the busyness of daily life to pause and listen to the Holy Spirit. But equally, sitting in a comfortable chair with a cup of coffee and an academic theology text also creates space for me to hear from God as, as I engage with the text, as I reflect on the implications of what the author is thinking. The way we spend time with and in the Bible will likewise also vary as well from different personalities, different backgrounds, different interests, different spiritualities. Each of us are different, so we should not expect our encounters with God to be the same. But of course, we must always be open to meeting God in new and unexpected ways. We shouldn't take God for granted. Abraham, in this text tonight, meets God in a fresh way. So during this, this season of Lent, why not try a different way of reading the Bible, perhaps? Perhaps using a different translation? Or listen to it rather than reading it? Or watching some of the Bible Project videos? Or reading their blogs? Lent is an opportunity to open yourself up to new possibilities, to new experiences and encounters of God within that security of a fixed length of time if you find it uncomfortable or it just doesn't work for you. Well, Abraham, in verse 2 of chapter 18, does not yet realise that he is in the presence of God. Instead, Abraham responds to the visitors in keeping with the cultural traditions of the ancient Near East. Abraham correctly offers hospitality to his guests, water to wash their feet, the giving of food, the offer of rest. In fact, Abraham actually goes above and beyond simply offering hospitality. Verses 6 to 8 show a generosity well beyond the cultural minimum. When I first read this section, I did wonder why the writers of Genesis included so much detail about the hospitality. Culturally, at that time, there was no expectation of a full-blown banquet from, uh, for passing travellers. Abraham here is being very, very generous. The quantity of food served is significant, even if the visitors had companions and servants not mentioned. So I wonder why God chose and encouraged the writers of Genesis 18 to include this detail. I think one reason that this detail is included is to remind us, as Megan commented last week, that Abraham is a complex character. As you read through chapters 12 to 18, you see Abraham at both his best and his worst. Here, in chapter 18, we have a generous host. In Genesis 12, verses 1 through to 9, we have the faithful servant of God. In chapter 13, we have the wise and generous leader who allows Lot to choose which land he wants to settle in. And in chapter 14, Abraham rescues his nephew Lot and demonstrates his faithfulness to God. In chapter 15, we hear Abraham being credited with righteousness. 
And in chapter 17 we have Abraham entering into a covenant with God. But then again, in chapter 12, he lies to Pharaoh, saying his wife is actually his sister. In chapter 15, he doubts God's promises. In chapter 16, he seeks to fulfil God's promises of a son in his own way. And in chapter 17, he laughs when told he will have a son with Sarah. So these chapters reveal that Abraham is complex. There are highs and lows in his walk with God. So I wonder if it worries you that Abraham is not presented as a perfect, honourable and holy man of God. To be honest, for me, the fact that Abraham is complex is an encouragement since I know that my own life is complex. There are times when I seem so strong in faith and I shine for God. But equally, there are times when my doubts and worries of this world crowd in on me and my light dims. As I said at the start, Lent is a time of self-reflection, a time for honesty, of confession, a time of repentance, a time asking God for forgiveness for the things we regularly get wrong. Abraham's life and behaviour can serve as a mirror for our own lives. So in the quietness, now, individually, let us come before God and seek his forgiveness for those times, perhaps this week, perhaps this month, perhaps looking back, when we've chosen not to listen when he has come to us. Just pause this recording and spend time before our God. I'm encouraged that just as God can use Abraham with all his complexities, he can use me as well, and he can use you. God does not wait for us to be perfect before coming to us. Praise God that he remains faithful and committed to his creation, even when we sometimes struggle to remain faithful to him. God does not give up on us. The Bible is a record of God's faithfulness to his creation. Because we have a God who is faithful, even when we, at times, are faithless. In chapter 18, we see Abraham on a high, loving his neighbours, being generous. At his best, Abraham is a shining example for us to live up to. So perhaps that is one reason why the detail of Abraham's obvious generosity is included. And in response, May I encourage you this week to pray how you too can also demonstrate generosity this week. In your family, in your places of work, in your recreation, at work, rest and play. May we be hospitable people. May we be known for that. However, I do think there is a further reason why this detail is included in chapter 18. It sets the scene for verse 10. Let me read it to you. I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, in the ancient Near East, visitors who received hospitality from a host were expected to give a small token give, gift back to the host. 
Abraham's generosity might have potentially embarrassed human visitors if they felt that their return gift was too small compared to his generous hospitality. But in verse 10, we're reminded that God is a generous God and that his generosity will always outdo human generosity. The promise of a son from Sarah, which Abraham laughed at in Genesis verses, um, chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, is restated here within a specific time frame. So chapter 18 reminds us not only that God is a God who meets with us, but also that our God is a faithful and generous God. You can't outgive God. In this chapter, the promise made all the way back in chapter 12 and picked up again in chapter 15 and chapter 17. A promise which God initiated, which God chose freely to make, is restated and confirmed. And Sarah, like Abraham, laughs when reminded of God's generosity. Perhaps it's the 24 years since the original promise uh, was given has damaged their faith. That time delay, perhaps the 13 years since the birth of Ishmael in chapter 16, has complicated things. Chapter 18 is all about the faithfulness and generosity of God in the midst of the messiness of human life. As Nick pointed out in the first talk in this series, the version of Genesis we have today was highly likely to have been written down during the Jewish exile when the people of God had been defeated in war, when the people of God had been dragged off in captivity, away from the promised land. When God's promise to Abraham about the land and a people seemed a lie to them, for they were in exile. In chapter 18, God reminds Abraham and Sarah that God's timing is not always as we would want it or have it. They had to wait 25 years for God's promise to come about. We can read about the actual birth of Isaac in Genesis 21. But in Genesis 18, we have the reminder to the exilic people as they read it, as it was put down on paper from oral tradition, that God's plans and purposes come about in God's timing. They will come. God is faithful, but in God's time, not our own. I wonder if at times we also need to remember that God's plans and purposes for our lives and the people of God come about in his timing. I wonder if at times we metaphorically laugh when we hear of God's plans and purposes, his promises for creation in the people of God. As I draw to a close, let me point you to a phrase in Genesis 18, which is perhaps easy to miss. Look with me at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Both Abraham and Sarah at various times struggled to hold on to the promises God had made to them. The people of God in the exile struggled to remain faithful in the face of the trauma of being conquered and removed from the promised land. The people of God in the first century struggled to remain faithful in the face of the Roman occupation of the promised land. It seems part of our broken, damaged and sinful human existence um, to struggle at times with accepting God's promises and plans for his creation. Genesis 18 is that reminder 
that God is a generous and faithful God who plans and purposes will come about in his timing. So, in this time of Lent, why not challenge yourself to learn from the life of Abraham and his own walk with God? There is a book which we have based this series on, which you could buy and work through. It has questions at the end of each chapter. It's called Abraham, A Journey Through Lent by Meg Warner. Or alternatively, you may wish to challenge yourself about your own walk with God during the year. Every year, the Archbishop of Canterbury recommends a Lent book, and this year it's called Embracing Justice. And you can Google to find out the full title and details of that. For those of you who are not book people, then how about buying, downloading, streaming, whichever version works for you, a new worship album, and reflect on the lyrics and how they apply to your life. Or deliberately find time to go on a new walk, a new cycle ride, a new run route, to take time out from your busy lives, to open yourself to hear from God as you travel through a new place. Alternatively, find a new pausing place or rest stop um, on one of your regular walks, rides to listen to God. Open yourself up to a new scenario, a new situation. You may prefer to open yourself up to God as you spend time creatively painting, drawing or journaling. We have a faithful and generous God who comes to us and will remind us of his promises if we open ourselves up to hear from him. And obviously the greatest coming of God is in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. So let's use this period of reflection, this period of preparation, this period of Lent to orientate or perhaps sometimes reorientate with confession and repentance as we prepare to praise and worship the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation and the kingdom of God he brings on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.